everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 325. The end is near! Recorded May 20th, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroll. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Janeiro Wago. Hello, gentlemen. Mark, you should have let me practice my dulcet tones if you were going to go to that <laughs> radio voice. Well, I figured if I was going to say I was drive time radio for geeks, I might as well drop into big time DJ voice. <laughs> uh, do they still do that? I think maybe. I don't know. Yeah, people still do that. Crazy. So we well, missed. Yeah. Go ahead, Seth. I was going to say now you can pay like 99 cents and get effects on your phone to do that for That's you. Good I'm point. sure. Yeah. So we missed a couple of weeks, and uh, this t- show is titled The End is Near. So obviously that means that we're pod fading and the show is ending soon, except that that's not what it is. The end that's near that I'm talking about is the end of school. Um, and for you know roughly, uh, I'm going to say, five-eighths of our population, that's a big deal for the schools and the teachers, and actually for me too, because starting tomorrow, traffic is going to be way better for the next few yes. weeks yes so, so for when, when is it, when's the end of your school year for your kids uh wednesday oh yeah so the, tomorrow is the last full day and then it's two half days uh because you know that's all the state counts uh and then and then traffic is just going to be unbelievable for about seven weeks and then i'll forget what hell it is for the other you know uh 47 weeks of the year Yep. I don't think that math adds up. I think I added two extra weeks to the year there. Um, See, well, that, that's how bad the hell is. You actually think <laughs> it's two extra weeks long. Uh, you know, for a long time when I was in school, the, the end of year meant everything. Right. And then for teachers, I always joke that my wife never got out of school. She went from from elementary to middle school to high school to college back to elementary school. She just never got out of school. Um, so that's that's the circadian rhythm of her life, you know, August to May. And so it's a big deal to her. And then, you know, I work in the quote unquote real world. And uh, the only thing that matters to me is traffic. Right. All right. But and anyway, you pay extra for babysitting, right? Yeah, there's that. Uh, so I apologize for the unannounced hiatus. Uh, but Wednesday, uh, Sunday, two weeks ago, there was a band thing, award show thing. When you have kids in high school, you have to attend these things. It's it's like a, a legal document that you signed uh, where you have to do it. And I didn't know about it until like the Wednesday before that Sunday. So I, I didn't have time to prepare uh, uh, you, the listener, about it. And then the next week was Mother's Day, and we couldn't record then because I like being married. Uh, so that's why we had two weeks off but we're back and no we're not pod fading we we may be taking some time off in the summer as we like to do but we're still going strong for the most part so. yep oh yeah we're still here and then the only other thing i wanted to talk about is uh all the kerfuffle about prime going up 20 bucks it's still a bargain at twice the price it would still be if prime were 225 dollars a year i would still pay for it and it would still be a bargain so stop stop whining about the fact that it went up 20 bucks. You can make that back on your first shipping deal. I mean, it's ridiculous. If without we got we are so used to getting things on our doorstep same day next day. I mean, come on, this is getting stupid. Yeah. 
Remember the days when it used to take a week to get something? Well, it's not like that. So enjoy it. Yeah, so I was buying some new shirts the other day um, because I have lost some weight and my shirts no longer fit. So that's awesome. Um, but I was I went to you know a, a website specializing in fat men's clothing, and I loaded up my cart as I often do. And I went to check out, and it was like, uh, it'll be six to eight days, and the shipping will be $14. What? And then, yeah, that's what it, that's what the rest of the world still is. But I'm so accustomed to Prime that that just seemed outrageous to me. So did you then go look for the same shirts on Amazon and see? Or I did. Are you that bad? I was unable to find them. Um, <laughs> so I stopped by my local store. And ended up paying way more than that $14 shipping in the, the local tariff, but at least I was supporting a local business. Yay, yeah, local business. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got to say about that. Seth, what the heck is Out of the Dark? Okay, well, Out of the Dark is a David Weber novel. So I he's like the guy who likes to use a paragraph to describe something when most people would use a sentence. But this is a, um, it's one of his standalone novels. It's a cowboys and Indians thing where earth plays the part of the Indians and the extraterrestrials play the part of the cowboys and come. And he, he sets it up really neat where they're not expecting industrial civilization. They're expecting like, you know, uh, gunpowder just started, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they're coming here to a planet with armies who have been fighting each other. And so, but of course they slowly get the upper hand in there. Then there's a deus ex machina moment at the end that was totally unexpected which i thought it was really cool but and it explains spoiler alert by the way uh, oh come on there's a i mean what story is there where there's there's going to be a deus ex machina moment in avengers 4 i know so um but it, it was just it was interesting the way they did it it was interesting you know the first contact where the humans aren't the all-powerful ones were the ones who were getting kicked uh and it, Anyway, I like his style of writing. Sometimes he gets old when he's in the 50th book of an eight-book series. But for a standalone one-book shot, I've I've always enjoyed his work. And Out of the Dark, if you like science fiction, military science fiction, you should give it a try. All right. I will try it out. Well, uh, just this week, I pre-ordered a book I can't even remember the name of, uh, but it's by the author of some of my favorite books, the Bobiverse series. I can't even remember the name of the author at the moment, but uh, I enjoyed those books so much that Audible said, this pre-order is available. And I said, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> so I understand uh, loving an author um, and David Weber is, is hit or miss for me. I mean, sometimes I really, really like his stuff. The Prince Roger stuff was really good. Um, that was David Weber, wasn't it? Or am I uh, That was the empire of man with him and john ringo ringo yeah yeah that so, one was really good and ringo is another one too that sometimes i just love his stuff and sometimes i don't and sometimes when he and and david weber team up you get the best of both of them sometimes you get the worst of both of them yeah ringo on his own is good for a three book series once yeah. it goes over three books you kind of get old of those characters i tend and, to agree and david weber you know, he his Honor Harrington series, he originally envisioned it for eight books where the main character died halfway through the story, his story arc. Well, we're on like book 35 and he's about <laughs> six tenths of the way through and about book 25 was the halfway mark and he decided to, that one main character, uh, one of the main characters should live instead of die. And so you can, I can, because... 
that's all been released in interviews and stuff. Um, because you know that's what happened, you can understand why his um, book, like I think it was called Shadow of Freedom, should have been titled Shadow of Stuff I've Read Half a Dozen Times Already. Um, but so, yeah, he gets a bit wordy once he goes past, I don't know. His problem, it wasn't so much that it, he got wordy. It was like the characters you knew got so senior that, you know, there's no, you know, an admiral in charge of the whole Navy isn't going to be on a single starship out in the middle of nowhere. So you've got, you keep getting larger and larger cast of characters with, uh, with at least with his Honor Harrington series. But she's still my girlfriend yeah. and um, I spend more time with her than I do any, any real person. So still like him. Yeah, the Bobaverse books, Dennis Taylor, that's, I had to look that up. And all of his stuff has been exclusive to Audible. And uh, I read an interview with him, and he was like, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of exclusives, but Audible just kept adding zeros to the check until I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't argue with that. That's sound yeah. logic right there. Yeah, I'd go for it. <laughs> that's why, you know, uh, we're, we're going way long in our five-minute warm-up section, but that's why we still have uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. After Iron Man 2, he said, I'm done with this. I'm never going to put the suit on again. In fact, Iron Man 3, he blew up all the suits. That was supposed to be the end of it. And then they just kept adding zeros to the check. And there have been, what, seven movies since then f- heavily featuring Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. And he, you know, uh, he still keeps showing up for work, I guess. Yep. All right. So, Miles, farmers got to be farmers. Yeah, I'll do it real quick on this because I could go on forever about this. So, I'm driving down south, right? I live in Arizona, heading down the freeway, and I noticed something very interesting, which I had not seen before. If you if you go down south in Arizona, it may well be the same in Texas. It's probably the same in New Mexico. It's probably the same in California. Within 10 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border now, there are literally 10 to 15 miles long warehouses, cold storage warehouses built on the U.S. side of the border. They're all brand new and they're all, it it blew me away. I could not believe what I was seeing. I'm driving down there. I'm looking, I'm seeing these warehouses. I'm like, what is going on? And then we happened to cross over the border into Mexico. We were down there for a week. And on the way, all I saw on the other side of the road coming the opposite way is semi-trailer after semi-trailer after semi-trailer, and they're all with produce. And it's just out of control. And what I realize is we've stopped letting Mexican farm workers working on U.S. farms. So, you know what happened? All the farmers went down to Mexico, bought a bunch of land, and they're growing all the stuff, and they're driving it back over the border sticking it in these cold storage warehouses and driving the trucks back to Mexico and doing it over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. It's an observation, but it's huge. And if you think you want to build a wall, good luck because you've got to eat. And I don't know how you're going to get fed if there's a wall between you and the produce, but that's where it all is down. People is down there, down south. And that's a, a case where, you know, just off the top of my head, I can't really think of anybody who's losing in that scenario. It's the same farmer producing the same crop with the same laborers. Um, exactly. So it's it's not like they're taking American jobs. Those jobs were never American jobs. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm okay with that. It's less efficient for sure. Uh, so it maybe is, that's why produce is going up. I tell you what, if you were ever looking at a business opportunity in the United States in the next sort of 20 years, it's in the distribution business. 
Right. Because that's what it, we don't have to make it. We have to distribute it. And that's what these guys have got down so well. It's absolutely outstanding. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because it blew me away when I saw it. And I'm still trying to work out what's going on. Now, y'all know that the EPA has nothing but the health and safety of the American public in mind. And so those crops aren't grown under the watchful eye of our benevolent, magnificent federal government. And we have to trust other people to uh, not do weird stuff to the crops because if there's that much coming in, we can't expect them all. Um, so golly, you know, how do we know we're not going to die tomorrow? Yeah. There, no, we'll come on, that's a We eat our lead encrusted Barbie dolls from China. I don't know. <laughs> the The real issue with a, a model like that is when uh, one of the ancillary subsystems break down, fuel refinery catches on fire and we can't fuel uh, the south like we can and all those uh, things just rot or the the power grid goes down for just 24 hours that's all it would take um for all of that protos to be ruined uh so the the problem with just-in-time inventory is you count on everything going just right it's like being in traffic at 70 miles an hour in in moderate traffic everything's going exactly right and all it takes is one thing to go wrong yeah, yeah and of course there's i'm trying to think there's never been a day that there hasn't been a major wreck in a major city. I mean, yeah. you pick a city the, the, in Dallas. There's a major wreck there every day. Houston, there at le- and this is at least one major wreck there every day. You know, any major city is going to have at least one major wreck every day, and that turns the rush hour from two hours to four. And, you know, yeah, and so when you're doing just-in-time stuff, all the laborers you hired to unload the stuff, they got to stay late and, you know, and you're paying overtime and it's lost wages. But, and, and here's the but, Mark, that you're not counting on. You're missing the bonuses that the C-level <laughs> executives get for implementing the just-in-time inventory system. So you're, you've got to add that to the other side of the equation to balance it out and make it a win-lose for everybody. Well, as long as the, the, the rich guys get richer, richer, that's what really matters. I think uh, so. So let's talk a little bit about some news, shall we? Uh, sh- shall we? Sh- shall we? And uh, apparently Mozilla is going to cure the internet. Yes, I came across this and I thought it was cool. So Mozilla has, that you know, they really lost a lot when they lost their Google thing. And so they're trying to get themselves out there in the public eye and they have released a kind of state of the health of the internet report. And, you know, in this particular one, using all the buzz buzzwords, they're trying to talk about fake news and precision based targeting of advertisements and how bots and everything. So it's just like, what are the buzzwords out there and how can we incorporate this into a report and call it a health checkup of the internet? Because, you know, again, healthcare in general is always in the news lately. So, you know, give it up for Mozilla, you know, and of course, I don't know. Anyway, they're just, it's a pretty cool, hopefully this will be a place where you can be, get a reliable check, a reliable metric of health of the internet. And of course, just like anything else, this can be a useful metric, but it will, if it's big enough to paint a complete picture, it will be too big to be useful. But so go Mozilla, you know, take that bull by the horns, even if you have to pull it into the China stop to stop it. <laughs> you know, I, I think I like the health analogy. Um, you know, a lot of people 
have noticed in their own lives that when they get tired, like not just I need a nap tired, but like exhausted for a long period of time, they get sick. And you'll hear that people say, oh, anytime I'm under stress or whatever it gets. That it, the, the thing is, you've been sick. You've had this bacterial infection or maybe a viral infection that your body has been fighting successfully for years, possibly. Uh, and you didn't know it. And, and when you deprive your body of the proper nutrition and the proper rest, for a time, it's unable to fight. And so the virus or the bacteria wins and you get sick. And so, and so what's the prescription? You go home and you go to bed and you give your body what it needed. Uh, you get uh, better nutrition and you get rest and then suddenly you feel better, but th- it's always there. And so the internet is kind of like that. Th- there's still, you know, uh, I love you worms and, and NIMDA running around out there. And the internet is just constantly fighting that sort of stuff. And it's always there. It's sort of, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Steve Gibson calls it background radiation on the internet. Um, it's that virus that's always there and the internet is always fighting it. Uh, but sometimes I think there's, there's fatigue factors that, that bring these things to light. Um, and I like the analogy, uh, but it's also, in a, in a lot of ways, I think, much to do about nothing at the same time. Well, electrolytes. It's got what plants crave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You were right. I had to. I had to. Any thoughts, Miles? Or are you just going to let this well, one go? I think we're a little overblown on the internet, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of, it seems like the whole, you know, I was having a discussion with somebody about this this week. Um I do remember the day when small businesses who had to go and advertise their products and services would look at all of their options, right? And they'd look at how they could reach a message to their community, whether it be local or national. And they'd look at like direct mail campaigns and radio ads and God forbid they might be able to afford a television ad, but, you know, that was really expensive. Um, Those barriers of advertising have all gone because now you've got the internet, which becomes the means in which they can spend their you know, annual advertising budget. And Google will gladly take their money, happily. So will Facebook. So will anybody. Anybody who will, who's, you know, got some sort of position on the internet will gladly take the advertising dollar of American business or world business all the time, each every, all day long. And I think what's happened is because of that, the internet isn't the internet that it was in 1996. Well, absolutely. Right. right. It's now become the advertising marketing rail and anything you get in terms of content is kind of secondary to that. So as a result, I guess I'm not saying that I don't ever want to not be connected to the internet. I mean, the internet's part of our, it's utility, it's part of our life. It's what we do. But I think that to take it at face value is not to necessarily see what's really going on. And that is, it's a haven of advertising and, and we just have to, you know, validate everything we see, trust and verify, right? And the problem, a lot of the problem why the internet is so unhealthy is we're trying to use today's internet with yesterday's internet rules. It's like when the internet first came out, we tried to use the internet with television rules and with radio rules. And the first people who realized the internet has different rules, then they catapulted up and got a leg up on all the business. Well, the internet changed and now everybody's using the old internet rules and the people who were able to get the new internet rules and, you know, the people who figure it out first realize, hey, there's no legislation about this. Let's blah. And so... You know, we, we, it happens so fast that by the time we get around to saying, figuring out what the rules are, nobody cares what the rules are because we're not using it anymore. 
Do you like think that. that there's a there's a possibility that if pricing for services on the internet were more realistic, you know, uh, like Netflix for what twelve bucks or something a month, you get stream, you get basically blockbuster video store in your TV set. I mean, that seems to me really cheap, right? If it was maybe twenty five bucks a month, it might be more realistic, and maybe that would reduce usage and it wouldn't bloat the internet and we wouldn't have all these net neutrality issues, but. It just seems like it's way underpriced. I mean, Facebook, well, the fact uh, is that everything's free. Now, we're the product. Um, that's that's true. economics don't work. That's not true. That's true of not only just the internet. It's true of everything. All of our goods that we purchase are unnecessarily cheap and uh, unsustainably cheap. And that, that drive to uh, sort by lowest price first um, is causing quality to become a thing of the past. I know I sound like an old guy saying get off my lawn, but it it really is the case that nobody buys anything anymore expecting quality. From the from yeah. the most expensive you buy you don't buy a house anymore expecting to have uh, a quality fixtures in it and, and quality um, uh, appliances in it. You, you expect the, the foundation to be okay, but you don't really expect quality like we used to. And it's, it's been to that race to the bottom. Everything in our world, not just the internet, everything in our world is, is so undervalued that we have an economy that um, you know, can't, contain, can't sustain itself. And at some point, we're going to have to start uh, cost pricing things for what they actually cost. Um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, I got a, a letter in the mail from my recycling company recently, uh, talking about how, um, we have to be more selective about what we recycle because China no longer talk, takes all our garbage. You know, we used to just ship everything off to China and now they've started having some standards about what they'll take. And that's hurt my company's, uh, my recycling company's business because China now is actually saying, no, we won't take any garbage you throw at us. Uh, we have to have something. And they don't have another business model. If they can't put it on a shipping container and ship it off to China, they don't know what to do with it. So when China also starts demanding, you know, actually wages for the, the employees and, and real profit on their products, you know, that, that same sort of thing is going to happen. Yeah. I, I honestly believe you're right. And I think there's a I don't, I don't know if it's a day of reckoning is the right word or a, a time when we all have to get real again uh, in that interest rates have got to go up and that, you know, products have got to be priced competitively and that companies actually have to make revenue and show a profit. And, and standard of living in, has to go down. It, it, well, it does because our inflation rates have got to go up. And things like, you know, Facebook can be, Zuckerberg can sit in front of Congress and, and rattle on all he likes about how good and wholesome and everything they are and that he made a big mistake and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that problem would have gone away if people on Facebook had to pay for the service, right? I mean, at some point, we've got to get real and say free is not free and ultimately the quality of everything on the internet, on everything, is being affected by the fact that we have unrealistic expectations on price, and I know it's yeah. been so long now, it's going to be hard. Yeah, but too many people are making too many big bonuses on the fat <laughs> checks they're raking in <laughs> to tell me that stuff is overpriced. The Like I say, people are, you know, you take it to the wholesaler and then to the distributor and then to the retailer and every one of those people get a cut. Well, now we get the wholesaling price through Amazon basically and we cut out those middlemen, but yet we haven't dropped the price down that much. So, I mean, there is part of that, but then also the problem is the internet has made everything 
more, it's made it possible for more people to grasp. And one of the first things that the majority of people grasp is greed. And so the barriers to greed are reduced on the internet, just like the barriers yeah. to education are reduced. The barriers to everything both good and bad is reduced. But, you know, so yes, there are places where we need to pony up, but then, you know, maybe there's places where we could quit acting like bleeps all the time and it wouldn't cost so much. Well, you two have both. I'll agree. You two have mentioned the the two things that go into our next story perfectly, Facebook and barriers, and that's exactly what Mozilla wants to do. They want to wall off Facebook from the rest of the world. Yeah, and so, you know, again, I didn't search, I didn't try to make this a Mozilla-centric podcast. It just, the stories I found came up this way. So they have introduced a browser extension that they are calling a Facebook container. Uh, You know, this is because Facebook and the company got access to all the data. Well, now they're trying to, you know, one of the things Facebook does is it, uses your email address and every site you go to that has a little Facebook like button. There's metrics on you visited that and they can track it to your account. Well, this kind of walls off Facebook somehow, I guess by blocking that bit of Java uh, script execution from happening on that web page. So now they don't get as much or it probably just means that somebody has to go click two times instead of just once to aggregate the same data. But you know, it, if you're a tinfoil hat person or you want to go for a little tinfoil uh, body wrap, maybe um, the Facebook container Firefox browser extension might be for you for 1995. No, I think it's free. So anyway, that's what face the, you know, go Mozilla. They're getting themselves out there. They're latching onto those buzzwords and they're trying to make themselves relevant again in the browser world. Until Mozilla becomes the evil corporation <laughs> pretty much i i'm i'm fine with this uh this is something anybody could do just by using you know you could have a mozilla browser or a, a facebook browser that you don't do anything else with um you know uh, you uh, pick chrome or firefox or ie and say this is my firefox browser or use any one of a uh, hundred different sandboxing apps um so this just makes it easier for the average person to do it but my concern is that the average person won't care so the the people who care already know how to do this the people who don't who most need to do this won't care to do it but the people who do care and their circle of friends that they support who don't care, the next time at your place, I'm just going to install this and poof. Now, all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, it's amazing. Facebook can't hear your, you know, your microphone on your phone or TV anymore. And they don't know what your brow. How did Facebook know? Because you went to Amazon and typed in how much do shoes cost? And right. then you go to Facebook and there's ads for shoes. Who knew? But now it's like, Wow. How did you how did you block Facebook? So, you know, we can set ourselves up as security experts and make up some initials to go after our name and we can ride this Mozilla browser extension into financial independence. Well, you, you went and had a, a, a an IV injection of cynicism over our time <laughs> off, didn't you? I'm telling you, <laughs> these stories, man, they just set up. I I wasn't even thinking about talking about the um this way when the yeah. show started. It just and then it's good to be alive. In the case of uh, uh, millennials whining, um, 
uh, iOS developers are pissed off that Apple created an entirely uh, new market and gave them all the money that they've ever made. That's my take on the story. Okay, well, my take on this story <laughs> is Apple is going to make you an offer you can't refuse. If you should happen to want to distribute your services through our network, it's going to cost you a little bit extra because, you know, you don't want Guido to come by and scramble your code or anything. And so um, the iOS developers, they are forming a union. And if you care about this, you can go to the developersunion.org and find out all about this. But they want to... Um, what was it they say they are looking at has a means to put pressure on Apple, Google and other owners of application stores to take better care of developers. And, you know, if you don't want a bunch of fart apps and a bunch of stupid games to pay to play unless you grind for two weeks, then maybe have some little bit equitable sharing of the ad revenue that you are generating, you know, because otherwise when you install a flashlight app on your phone, why in the world does it need access to your networks, your contact list and, you know, your social media accounts? Okay. And, and my rebuttal is where you, you knew what the dev Apple developer agreement was when you signed up, you knew they were taking a 30% cut the day you paid money to have the privilege of them taking a 30% cut. And now you want to complain about the, the fact that they're taking a 30% cut. They invented the market in which you make your living. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Miles, what do you think? As a, as no, a developer. I'm, I agree. I hate unions. I hate them because I all I've seen, I've come from a country in which unions ran everything. The shipyards, the transport, the teachers, the everything you and and constant strikes in the 80s it was strike after strike and nothing got done productivity was at an all-time standstill and it was embarrassing and it was disgusting and i'm not a fan at all on the other hand look you know there's a lot of unrealistic expectations for developers they go into this thing you know they get taught this they get fed this bill of goods at college go and do a stem thing go and do a become a coder you make out like a bandit. You'll be rich and famous and all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't happen that way. It takes 10 years, like any profession, to become experienced in this sort of thing. You're not going to go out there and make a million dollars developing your first fart app for an, for an iOS device. So use iOS for what it is. Learn from it. But, you know, Get your experience up and then apply it in somewhere where you can actually make a living because a 99-cent app ain't going to cut it. Um, and that's and that's the problem. And unionizing isn't the answer. It's not. It's actually learn to have a skill that people really want to pay money for that is valuable, and maybe then you won't need to unionize because you'll be really, really good at it. So I don't, I don't have a problem with. I, I agree with you, Mark. I, Apple created the market. People go in there, they enjoy it, they take advantage of it. And you know what? For some people, they created something really, really good. They make, make out like bazillionaires. And for the vast majority, people who created crap put it out there and they don't make much money. Stop whining. Don't create crap. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that I can't just go into GitHub, copy something and paste it into a new page and make six figures doing that? Um, yep. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you assault my well-being? 
I'm I'm sorry. Yep. That's all I got. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Just just don't unionize. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. the message. You know, I, I believe that unions have their place. I'm not sure that they have any place anywhere near the app store. Um, but, you know, good on you guys. You're welcome to try it. You know what Apple's going to say? Bye. Bye, Felicia. That's all they're going to say. They don't care. Well, well, Apple's nearly, what, a trillion dollar market cap company now? I mean, a trillion dollars? Really? Yeah. I think that most Apple developers should have more to worry about when the government comes in and treats them like AT&T in the 80s and they carve them up. Because like, that's the next step. If there's something you're going to worry about, worry about the fact that Bitcoin is consuming all the energy. All of it. Okay, so... By the end of 2018, Bitcoin will be using approximately one half of 1% of the entire world's electricity. So I think that this is a good thing. If it's taking that much energy to keep the network secure, then surely that is worth something. And the Bitcoin that I buy today for $7,000 should be worth <laughs> at least seventy dollars or $80,000 by the end of the year. I mean, look at that stored value that we're getting by sucking up all the electricity from, I mean, come on, heat your house. <laughs> Who needs to do that? Hey, if you, you know, need to we, heat your house, just put a Bitcoin miner in there. Problem yeah, solved. And look at that. You're using two purposes. You are making money mining, and you're saving money by not having to run a heater. I mean, look. I mean, the world should thank Bitcoin for all that it's doing. So anyway, I just I thought it was an interesting <laughs> stat, and of course, you know, a lot of this is based on the fact that there will never be another increase uh, in the mining capacities in the miners, you know, so it's kind of based on today's miners. And so when tomorrow's miners come out, today's miners won't be running as much and all of that. So there's some FUD in it and there's some forward looking. And I just thought, wow, we're up to half a percent of the world's electricity. Way to go blockchain. And that's go not Bitcoin. an insignificant number. No, it's not. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah, I guess the banks are going to say, well, we don't chew, chew up that sort of power. Come back over to the, yeah. the dark side and stay with us. I don't but, know. But, you know, again, it was intended to replicate gold mining, which is an energy-intensive process. It's not electricity. Mm -hmm. It's fuel. It's manpower. Um, uh, so it, it's kind of doing what it's supposed to do. It's the system working as designed. Not a bug, but a feature. Well, the only issue might be that there might be some more centralization in the mining community because, you know, the only people who can afford the power will be those living in the Arctic Circle or something. Yeah, global warming. Woohoo. <laughs> and um, politicians stumping for net neutrality. I'm so confused. Okay, so the Democrats have resurrected net neutrality and they were able to vote in the Senate and kind of get it passed by reinstating net neutrality. And so this is done in Congress rather than just the um, – basically, if you haven't heard about this story, all it means is that the ISP has to buy members of Congress now and not just <laughs> the FCC. Congress was able to see how much money the FCC chairmen were getting from the um, ISPs and realized, hey, we could get a piece of that action. So, no, I, that, that would never happen. The United States has, the, uh, has a history of the most um, glistening, pure politicians in the history of the world. And they are standing up for the little guy. And I, for one, 
like the fact that they're doing this because if we're going to grant the ISP government sanctioned monopolies and make it so they don't really have to compete to each other directly, then they need to provide, I know it's not equal, but they at least need to provide some small bit of scraps to us consumers who have no choice but to deal with the ISPs. So um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but way to go Democrats. Well, it was bipartisan though, right? Well, yeah, but <laughs> the Democrats kind of let it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, um, yeah, I think this whole net neutrality thing should be, it, look, the way I look at it, it's it probably a good thing, you know, in terms of having a free and open internet and all that stuff. Um, but meanwhile, the elephant in the room says... Uh, what about civil liberties and what about privacy and what about the rights of individuals to not, you know, have their entire family's, you know, private lives shared on the internet unbeknownst to them and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, if, if Congress is going to do anything that's going to support the internet, it should be first to protect our privacy rights and then let's worry about how big the pipes are. I mean, that's, that's just my position on it. But, I mean, come on, hashtag net neutrality that's people understand that. What do you, are you going to say what hashtag grow up and learn how to be smart and quit expecting people to do stuff for you? I mean, they, you're going to take up your entire Twitter post with a hashtag. So, yeah, well, 280 characters, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and to that, Miles, I, I would say, you know, you uh, are demonstrating one of the most infuriating um, uh, popular mindsets, and that is you're not doing the thing I want you to do, so you shouldn't do anything at all. Um, this is a good thing. Yeah, and no, it is. Let's I be okay with, with the good thing. It, it wasn't yeah. the good thing that you wanted, but it was still a good thing. I just want to, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't want to sacrifice perfection for good. This is good. Yeah. But at it's, the same it's time. A long, it's one thing on a long list of things that needs to be done. Right. And I, And what I would love to see is that individuals in Congress who want to champion winning a fight in this area take it to the next level and go and say, okay, now we've done that. Let's re let's go out there and really fight for our citizenry. And that would be awesome. But, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit jaded because I haven't seen Congress pass anything of meaningful value for years. And it's, I mean, I know they do, that's an overstatement, but I, mm, it's just a little scary where things are going. Yeah, personally, I like it when government does nothing. I'm a big fan of government <laughs> doing nothing. Um, uh, but we don't have a whole lot to discuss about this one, but, uh, you know, we win, um, the, uh, the Supreme court heard the podcast patent thing and said, this is stupid. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, so finally personal audio realized that, you know, maybe it's not so personal after all, and that their patent really was kind of stupid. And so the Supreme court said, Nope, there's nothing to see here. The lower court's decision stands. So way to go, EFF. Thank you, Richard Stallman, for allowing us to know that we are at least safe from this patent. So woohoo. Another good thing. I mean, the this yeah, this is, is this is the highest court in the land ruling on this. They didn't have to take this. The this the lower court had already um upheld uh, that the the patent patent was invalid. Uh, Supreme Court did this, I think, more as a, a publicity thing than anything else. But now the li- highest court in the land has ruled this. It's done. This can't be adjudicated ever again. Podcasting, uh, at least this patent, 
Somebody else may say they have a different patent, but at least this patent is completely invalidated, and that's a win. That's a good thing. Yeah. What do you think's next? I mean, by the time, I mean, this is dating back to, oh my God, 10 years ago, right? I mean, this is when this all started to come into fruition. So obviously technology's changed a lot in 10 years. Are they now going to have a YouTube patent or a DTube patent or whatever the latest thing is now? Well, if we're lucky, people will actually start inventing things instead of claiming to invent things. Yeah. yeah. That would be a nice thing. The yeah. lawyers got to, I mean, they're already getting paid. <laughs> Farmers got a form, lawyers got a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you at least, hey, go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying you money. At least go try to get me some of that back. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. So, yeah. Retainers are a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if there's a new troll opportunity on the horizon that we're <laughs> about to encounter. I, Yes. We just don't know what it is yet. But what we what I need to know right now, Seth, is what happened this week in history. All right, Mark. Well, I wanted to let you and the fine folks over at Element Opium Land know that on May the 22nd, 1980, it's happy birthday, Pac-Man. So Namco's upcoming game, Puck-Man, is, lo- is location tested in a movie theater complex in Japan. After favorable initial testing, the game is slightly tweaked with the most major change, the renaming of the game to Pac-Man, because Midway thought that Vandals would alter the letter P to F, and we all know what that would land. (laughs) So while the game was not officially released until later in the year, in October, the creators choose today as a birthday. And as a side note, Pac-Man was originally marketed to target the female audience because a lot of games at this time were you know, shooting and killing and war type stuff. And so having somebody run around and eat a lot of stuff seemed to be a good market to uh, get women into. So way to go, Pac-Man. You started the obesity epidemic in America. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> hey, you guys know who Billy Mitchell is, don't you? Doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't nope. ring a bell. Well, talking about Pac-Man. He's supposedly the world's Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, oh, yeah. and every other arcade video game superhero that's beat everything. Well, it's just funny you should say about Pac-Man because it just came out a couple of weeks ago that apparently this guy's cheated on everything and they've completely wiped him out of the Guinness Book of Records and, and everything. Um, if you don't know who this guy is, go and check out a movie called King of Kong. It is unbelievably cool. And you don't have to be a game enthusiast or a video game at all. It's just this amazing story. And this guy is the he's a total douche. I mean, he is a total. I mean, it's amazing. And the fact is now, only a couple of weeks ago, everything he ever did, did was invalidated. There are cries and cheers being heard on the internet and will be for the next 12 months over this. So there you go. Well, there you go. Cheaters never prosper after right. 35 to 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity this week, thus making you seem like a better hiring option? All right, Mark. Well, if you've ever found that one person who seems to know a little too much of the internet, you can go to internetlicense.org and just um, stop them right in the tracks. <laughs> internetlicense.org. You know, it, it, it's a one-time joke, so save it and pull it out for that special someone. Yeah, if you've ever wanted to tell somebody, you're too stupid to internet, um, 
internetlicense.org is the place to send them. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't there another website like let me google that yes. for you dot yeah. com or something? Yes. I, I have I have used that many times. When somebody <laughs> asked me a question that the the act of typing that question to me in either an email or an instant message is exactly the same amount of energy as necessary to type that into Google. I will use the let me Google that for you dot com <laughs> link. And what it does is it sends them a graphic of the thing you just typed in and then takes you to the Google results page for that and says, wasn't that easy? And yes, I have used that before because I'm a bit of a Richard Cranium from time to time. <laughs> good one seth cool it's Thank it's you. not backyard uh ferris wheels but it's a pretty good one yeah i'm trying some palate cleansing here for the next couple of weeks and the, you know then i can maybe get some esoteric stuff and i'm also thinking about bringing back some of the gold i mean we've been at this for over five years that's true and five years in internet time i mean these are i mean that's like an antique on ebay that's like so. seven kardashian weddings <laughs> well, my, and man when you put it that way wow <laughs> All right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can comment to us, feedback to us, let us know what you think. You can go to element, O-P-E-L-E-M-E-N-T-O-P-I-E dot com and uh, click the contact us button at the top of the page. But be careful, you're going to have to answer the world's hardest CAPTCHA with questions like what crop grows in a cornfield. And once you answered the world's hardest CAPTCHA, you will then uh, have to fill out the form uh, that uh, that gets uh, sent forms, sends an email that gets priority in my in-basket. Let us know what you think. Send us that email. Send us that list. Or you can call 559-IMOP. I don't know what those numbers are. Look it up yourself. 559-IMOP and, um, and send us a voicemail. It's a Google Voice box. We don't check it, so you don't expect anybody to answer it. But you, you leave it there. Again, I'll get an email telling me, hey, check this out. And uh, we'll probably play that on the show. Or you can just skip all of that mumbo jumbo and send an email to geekrant at elementop.com and uh, let us know what you think. Or if you happen to be using the CastBack app, as I recommend that you do, just click the plus button right there during the show. Leave your comment while listening to the show. And not only will I see it, but everybody else using the CastBack app and listening to that episode will see it and be able to comment in real-time modified time. It's 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 both real-time and the time-skipping thing. It's, it's magic in a box. Check it out on the CastBack app. So let us know what you think, because as I often say, uh, this is listener-created uh, programming, and uh, we... Uh, we care about what you say. We may not take action on it, but we do care. I care. <laughs> all right. So that's all I have to say about that. Gentlemen, any final words of wisdom before we say goodnight? Nope. I'm wisdomed out. All right. Uh, Seth, thank you for, uh, you know, what was that? Six news links? I didn't even bother to count. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Six news links of, of varied and... Um, um interesting content uh we, we appreciate really hard. the minutes and minutes of work that you put into that um uh, thank you so much for that uh, honestly you did more work on this show than either miles or i did so good on you there um you the listener i thank you because you're the reason we're here otherwise you know I, we could burn burn a lot less cpu cycles and, and i could be mining more bitcoin instead um if we didn't have to broadcast all this and publish it and put it all out there so literally you're the reason we do this and if you want to uh give a little reward a little kickback a little thanks for um 
uh, doing that you could do what Jenda just did right now in the chat room live and actually type the word thanks that was fun into the chat room and uh, that's one way to thank us or you could go over to uh, uh, patreon.com uh, and click on or, or patreon.com slash element opie and uh, throw me a buck or two and that would be appreciated or you can use the tip jar over at elementopie.com let's face it i just want your money that's the only reason i'm here i'm just waiting to get rich and famous five years now i've been doing this and i haven't figured out how to get rich uh and famous doing a podcast i've I've pretty much decided that there's a two-step process to becoming a famous podcaster step one is become famous step two is start a podcast um so i'm still working on that step one i got step two i kind of got the cart before the horse there uh but uh anyway i would appreciate it if you gave us some money that's all i have to say about that all righty then all right I just I paused there for effect just to make sure that there was nothing else no anybody else had to say, uh, and it appears as though they don't. So thanks everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week because that's it for this episode of the Geek Rant. <laughs>